All right, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Academy Arguments. I am. Oh, thank you, thank you. All right, so he's someone outside your window, like holding up a sign. Yeah, I love it when Andrew does that. This is like Good Morning America. You know, the people that have the like, little signs outside, you know, and stuff. I'm yeah. waving. I'm All waving. right. Yeah, you picked up the vibe I was throwing down. I, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, welcome to another episode of the Academy Arguments. I am one of your co-hosts, Andrew Nuno. And I'm the other co-host, Brittany McHugh. And we are joined for this episode by returning guest host, Andrew Ambrose Lee. Yeah, hey, returning favorite, returning favorite. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> Happy to have you back, my friend. Uh, before we get started with the episode, for, for those who are new to you, why don't you give them a quick little bio about yourself? Sure. I am a... I am the host of a music podcast called I've Been Meaning to Listen to That as a show where we use albums we've been meaning to listen to and use it as a conduit to learn about each other and our guests. You know, we've had fantastic guests like, you know, Eliza Skinner, Kevin Porter, uh, yeah. just like, yeah, and it's like just like a real um it's a really fun time. I think more people should listen. So that's my pitch. We are talking about the 1987 American romantic comedy drama film Moonstruck, starring Cher, Nicolas Cage, uh, Olympia Dukakis, uh, John Mahoney, supposedly in the role that got him Frasier. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. Was yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they saw him in this film and decided to offer him the role of Frasier's dad as a result of his performance in this film. So, yeah, a lot of really amazing folks uh, in in this this one film. Uh, but before we get into that, let's first talk about what were our impressions, either rewatching this for anyone who did rewatch this, or for people like me who watched this for the first time in preparation for this episode. And we will start with our guest of honor, Andrew Ambrose Lee. Uh, so yeah, I put this in the list of potential out potential movies to discuss. And I don't know, like what? So when you guys came back to me, if like hey, we're going to do Moonstruck. I was like, oh, okay. That's the least interesting one, but like <laughs> a little bit. Like I, Damn. <laughs> I just, I, I just like, I think I like, um, I let myself down. Like I really like, but I really like this. I thought this is really charming. It's like, there's a lot. It's, it's definitely deeper than a traditional rom-com per se, because the thing that makes this really interesting is that, Unlike a lot of like rom-coms that are like no disrespect to like some rom-coms. Some are great. Um, when Harry Met Sally is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, but like never seen it. It's so good. It's so good. It's there's some fluffiness to it. It's definitely like a warm, cozy blanket of an album of a movie. I keep saying album. Um, but like it's a warm, cozy blanket of a movie, kind of like <laughs> wrong podcast. <laughs> so used to music, you can't break out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like the thing that makes this really interesting is the idea that there's a specter of death hanging over the entire movie and it makes it more interesting to dive into the movie as like an examination of grief and an examination of like how do we deal with the fear of dying um, a little bit that makes it a little more interesting than just like oh it's like uh, the girl and the guy fall in love they're really nice together they're cute so i think that's cool gotcha yeah yeah all right over over to you Brittany. <laughs> Yeah, I looked up what this movie was because I had never heard of it, saw that it had Nicolas Cage and Cher in it, incorrectly read that it was a musical. I wish it, I, th I thought it was a musical too. Got, not gonna lie, kind of a letdown that it yeah. wasn't a musical. So 
Yeah, that that is what I knew about this before going in. I knew absolutely nothing. I knew Nicolas Cage. I knew Cher. I thought I it was a musical. It wasn't. That's all. Gotcha. Yeah. No. I that 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 would have made this a really different movie. I mean, it has. I think there was a scene cut out where like the whole cast sings it's amore at the end and uh they they cut it out of the movie but um it they actually filmed it and stuff and you know what like looking at the poster now it kind of looks like it, it looks could like be a like a, a musical it looks like Cher is singing it yeah. looks like she is belting out something yeah yeah I could see, oh, yeah, that's a very misleading poster. It's a <laughs> misleading poster. I, the, the moon is involved in the movie, and Cher is also in the movie, so I think it's not misleading in that way. But yeah, it's yeah. misleading that it could have been a musical. Yeah, yeah. Do better. Do um, better, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe the, the remake of, of Moonstruck that eventually gets made will actually make it more a musical. We'll have to, to see what Hollywood struck. decides. Like to, like, oh, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. For 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 me, uh, the only thing I knew about this movie going in is this is this is the film that won Cher her acting Oscar. That was the only thing I knew about this movie. I didn't even know Nicolas Cage was in it really until we stuck to the movie, and then you, Brittany, was like, "Oh yeah, she likes the movie because it's Nicolas Cage, and we can argue about that." And I was like, "Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 down." So like. <laughs> Because I feel like with Nicolas Cage, it's either like, you know, hot or cold, you know, like, he like had, Katie he had, yeah, or um, like, like Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler, you know, the majority of his films are terrible, but it's like he purposely comes out every seven or eight years with a good performance to remind us oh, he can yeah. still act. And then he goes back to making utter shit. Um, so, yeah, I was my, my interest was piqued by Cher not singing in a role. Actually, yeah. just, just acting does acting, not sing once. And then Nicolas Cage. In a role that he, this is when he was still getting critically acclaimed for roles at the time. So I was like, okay, I, I kind of got to see this. Th- that was that was it. That's all I knew going into this movie. He's also yeah. upsettingly hot in this movie. Like it is, ups- it's it's like he does look good. He's that like twenty three in this movie. Like he's like that very first young. scene when he's wearing just like the the white shirt and the muscles and everything. I was like, whoo. <laughs> that being <laughs> said. I hate his character. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, I see that. I don't, I don't like. I hate. I hate almost all of these characters except wow. for Rose. Justice right. for Rose. Before, um, before, before we get too far into that, we got to talk about the Oscars and how it performed. Yeah, let's get we- into this. Okay, it was the 60th Academy Awards. It was nominated in six different categories. Ended up winning three, and the winners were Cher for Best Actress. Olympia Dukakis for Best Supporting Actress, and John Patrick Shanley for Best Screenplay Written Directly for Screen. It was nominated for Best Picture, Lost to the Last Emperor. Norman Jusen was nominated for Best Director, Lost to the Last Emperor. Vincent Gardino was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, Lost to Sean Connery in The Untouchables. Damn Sean Connery. Have you seen The Untouchables? I haven't. No. <laughs> Oh, then what the fuck she are you talking she about? Like, you're, just, you're just like you're really just like <laughs> taking the premise of the show, just like in every aspect. It's just like I disagree. Just like I disagree. <laughs> you, you were just like, ah, oh, stupid Sean Connery. I'm like, dude, he's dead. Yeah. Uh, moment Rip. of silence for uh, Sean Connery. So yeah, hang on. All right, that's all he gets. All uh, right. <laughs> 
That's one thing I didn't think this episode would contain. A moment of silence for a Sean Connery. A moment Gunn. of silence for <laughs> Sean Connery. This, this about and it will, like, it will be in every episode now. We will take a moment of sir- silence for Sean Connery in every single episode. Yeah, yeah, Despite yeah. the fact we'll, that I am pretty sure Andrew and I have not seen the majority of Sean Connery's movies. Also, you'll edit you'll edit it out for like t- clarity and time, time's sake. No, like, I won't. Ed- oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so where, where where do we want to start with this, guys? I hate all the characters. Oh, okay. I genuinely think okay. they all kind of suck, except for Rose, the mom, who is amazing. She's Justice great. for Rose. She deserved so much better than that family. I wish she had slept with the dad from Frasier. I, so, I, I do not. I, I actually like... I mean, I like that she didn't because it shows that she's above everyone else, everyone else who's a fucking cheater. But I also wish she had then divorced him and had a very happy life with the dad from Frasier. Well, okay. Like what? So like, let's talk about the characters you don't like. What, What are some, what, who are the most like despicable characters for you, basically? Okay. I will automatically, in any rom-com, I will automatically hate the character the second they say I love you after knowing a person for less than 24 hours. Like, legit, nothing irks me more than when these people who barely know each other in romantic comedies are like, you know what? I'm in love with you. No, you're not. You're not fucking in love with them. You don't know these this person. Sure, you are yeah. in no way, shape, or form in love with them. You may be attracted to them. You may like sleeping with them. And that's all fine. Except for when it's your brother's fiance. That's not fine then. Don't sleep with them. I hate that so much. It is mm-hmm. my biggest pet peeve in romantic comedies because it happens all the time. And I cannot stand it. It immediately takes me out and I no longer believe the romance whatsoever. Because if mm-hmm. I'm supposed to buy that these people are in love after knowing each other for 24 hours, like some miracle chemistry will have had to happen. It will have had to shatter every expectation I have ever had for chemistry and in any movie ever. Because no, you don't. <laughs> you don't. You don't know this person. You don't love them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's like, and then she agrees to marry him. That's that's upsetting. That is like that is yeah. like she agrees to marry him in front of her. Oh my god, that last scene upset me so much because it's like he comes in, he's like, "I can't marry you because if I marry you, my mother's gonna die." Okay, didn't understand that, and. Then he's like, she's like, what? What are you talking about? You can't marry me. How dare you? You can't marry me. I'm like, you don't want to marry him. You literally have said multiple times you don't love him. And you apparently want to just marry this other dude now. But she gets upset about it. And then she gives him the ring back. And then Nick Cage asks her to marry him. And then she's like, okay, fine. Because I'm in love with you. And I'm like, no, you're not. You met him two days ago. You are mm-hmm. not in love with this guy. You don't know anything about him except for the fact that he chopped his hand off in a bread maker. <laughs> I mean, it that's a lot. That's a lot. Like, that's, a, that's an intimate detail. <laughs> that is the old. No, that is something that anyone who looks at him will have figured out eventually. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's like that's like what on my first dates. That's usually what I ask people. Like, is did you chop your hand off in a bread maker thing? Like. 
he's also got a bit of a temper too. Yeah, that's, it's just like that's he like explodes, yeah. you know, like. When he meets her, he starts asking for a giant knife to kill himself so that she can watch. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and then she, like, asks to talk to him further. I'm like, you are not in love with your fiancé. You are in no way, shape, or invested in this relationship. Cher, just leave. Like, you did your part. You asked him to come. He doesn't want to. Fine. Yeah. Fuck off. Get the (laughs) fuck out. Because there yeah. are red flags everywhere. I also love how when he asked that uh, that lady to get the knife for her, she's like, I'm not going to do it, Ronnie. I'm not going to do it, Ronnie. And like she said the same thing. He's like, he's like get me the knife. I'm not going to do it, Ronnie. And I'm like, okay, we heard you the first three times like that you're not going to do it. And then she like reveals she's in love with him. And I'm like, you, oh, yeah. What, what Wait, is doesn't this? He, he reveals she he's in love with her first, right? Like, no, 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 no. The girl who he works uh, with at yeah, the, the bread girl shop. who refused to get the knife for yeah. him. Yeah. yeah which, that's love. Yeah. She should have. No, no, that's <laughs> being a common, decent fucking human being. <laughs> if someone says, hey, I'm going to kill myself, get me a knife, you don't have to be in love with a person. Hey, just PSA uh, for our listeners right now. If someone is saying, get me a knife, I'm going to kill myself, uh, you don't actually have to be in love with them to say no. You can just say no and not do that well i'm learning a lot oh my god but then like she reveals she's in love with him at the end of the scene and says something like like i he's like he's too angry to love anyone or i I don't i don't remember the line exactly i just remember being like what the is are we never gonna see this character i think i wrote down we're never gonna see this character again are we (laughs) and we didn't no No, that's kind of just thrown out there and then just dropped. That was weird. I, I, it's like definitely like the two Ronnie and Johnny. They're like babies. They're big babies. Like, uh, yes. Like the, Johnny's like a little more, you know, like just more oblivious and like kind of a doofus and like he's not like a he doesn't seem like a horrible person at all. But he's no, like, he seems he seems like a perfectly nice person, but like boring mm-hmm. and like passionless and stuff like that and like kind of. Like, doesn't know how to take care of himself in, like, basic ways and stuff like that. Understood. But, like, Cher is cheating on him with his estranged brother while he is in Italy with his dying, dying mother. mother. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then, like, like, and, you're correct, Andrew. That is very not good. <laughs> well, I, I, point for Brittany. That is not good. <laughs> Brittany's winning this argument. I'm glad, I'm glad we can all agree that cheating on your fiance while they visit their dying mother is a bad thing. All three it's of us, really like, unanimous, like we we usually like are at each other's throats with these arguments. Like, but like we, I'm glad we had this no, one I, moment where we can agree. I'm glad that none of us are human pieces of shit who would yeah. do that. Unlike the people in this movie. That's affirming. The That's main really affirming. couple in this movie, mind you. So many times, Cher is just like all out rude to him too. Like when she's on the phone, like asking, like, "Why didn't you tell your mother yet? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this before she has cheated on him?" Um, I'm like, dude, his mother is dying. The only thing you should be asking him is, "Are you okay?" Yeah, which yeah. she doesn't ask once. Yeah, even during the first phone call, he's like, my mother's dying. And then she just completely just 
glosses over that. Yeah. And it's like, how was the flight? And I'm like, (laughs) but it's like, she's kind of like mothering him. She's kind of like being, it's not like a romantic relationship. It's like a, like a doting mother, like over, over like an eight year old, basically. If, If someone important in my life was dying, I'm pretty sure the first question my mother would ask me is, are you okay? How is your yeah, al- true, other true. alternate reality mother? Like, <laughs> if this is her mothering, she is a terrible mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if um, if Johnny has like some like Oedipus complex thing, and that's why he likes being like mothered or like being spoken Both of to them. as Ro- Ronnie and Johnny. Yeah, like, they both yeah, like, yeah. love it. Some like Oedipus complex thing. Ronnie is not at all concerned with the fact that his mother is dying. Yeah, that's like that's like really concerned. Like it's it's like yeah. he has a line like my mother doesn't like me or something like that. But it's <laughs> it's he has no emotion towards his mother dying whatsoever. It's like I think he finds out when Cher comes, right? That his that his brothers left for Italy because their mother is dying, and he has no reaction his only reaction is to his brother who he blames for himself cutting off his own hand yeah yeah i did mm-hmm. that. can someone explain the reasoning as to why that's why he blames his brother for that is it just because he's a dick and he can't blame himself it it like because like in the share and nicholas cage scene at the at the like in his apartment for the first time he's probably like you know like my brother made me chop up my hand like he says that but it's actually not that it's not about that like share really sees through him and says you cut off your own hand because you were afraid of get, being committed to the wrong woman basically you're a wolf that chewed through your own foot to get out of it basically and okay. like yeah if that's the case, then why the estrangement for five years? Yeah, it's a bullshit brother? reason. It's a bullshit reason. Like, he, like it's not a that, real that, reason. Mm-hmm. This makes no logical sense for for me because he's basically like, okay, I don't want to marry my fiance, so I'm gonna cut off my own hand so that she breaks up with me and leaves me for another person, which is <laughs> there are several <laughs> steps that were missed in that process. It's kind of like it's kind of like Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend or something like that. We're like, oh, his balls got too big. I had to get a divorce. <laughs> I mean, multiple. I, there are other steps that could have been taken before cutting off your own hand. Yeah. I feel like we jumped. We missed some things. I don't think he but, meant to do it. I think it was like kind of like intuition, kind of that, like. Or like, or using that, or it was an accident, but then he uses it as an excuse to like leave and stuff like that. No, he doesn't leave. She leaves him for another guy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good So I would assume that if he's going to cut off his own hand, it's because he knows that she's a bitch who will leave him for another guy. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Those hand, those, those hand havers. But there are other, don't you think there could have been like, other things you could have done, even like other despicable things. Cut you off your done. finger. Like, cut off one no, of them. I, yeah, cut off one finger. Cut off or don't cut off any body parts whatsoever. Maybe just um start arguing with her a lot. And then maybe she'll just be like, okay, we're not getting married now because I don't like you anymore. Or, you know, be a fucking man and say, hey, I'm not in love with you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, there were steps that were missed, I feel, <laughs> before cutting off your hand. <laughs> so to Brittany's point, I will say I don't buy them like, you know, as a romantic couple at all. I, I don't no. see what their life like, cause like, it's like fits a passion and stuff like that. And like, I do buy their sexual chemistry. I do buy that when they're not filming, they are doing the deed like and stuff like that. Um, but I don't buy. Wait. <laughs> Wait, you think Nick Cage and Cher were sleeping with each other? No, no, no. Set? Just like the characters in the movie. Like I believe. That oh, they are. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you said when they're not filming, yeah, that's like so the- I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> is that? Is that what you're like putting out into the universe? No, 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 on no, this no, 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 no. Like, but like the idea that like those characters are clearly like attracted to each other, and they are there's this animalistic instinct draw towards them. Uh, I do not buy them as like a long term couple. Like I, the the fact that they get married after two days is bonkers like that is a bonkers thing yeah like after like a few years or something like that like months even just like when the passion dies down like what is that relationship like what do they give each other you know nothing no yeah i saw them as like kind of i think the movie would work better if like nick cage was a stepping stone to kind of share kind of getting over her grief and stuff like that like Mm -hmm. this is well like i hurt i broke some hearts uh, you know, that things got messy, but now I can live. Now I'm not like a walking zombie through my life, just like playing mm-hmm. playing it safe all the time, like trying to uh yeah, yeah, you yeah. know avoid superstition or bad luck. I can just live. You know, I can make mistakes and live as a person again and feel love again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah, but instead she decides to marry a guy she's met after two days, which makes me think she is not done grieving. She is like still cra- trapped in the grieving process and is making bad decisions. Do you think she's just kind of doomed to repeat this process of just like getting engaged and then not engaged and then engaged again and then not engaged? It's just like a continuous cycle of just like grief. That would make me so sad if that was the case, if Cher was just doomed to that forever. But, you know, Cher also uh, was mean to her fiance and cheated on him with her <laughs> crazy brother. So, uh, <laughs> do whatever that you fucking want, Cher. The only one I care about is Rose. Yeah, like, justice for Rose. <laughs> you Rose said is that a couple an, times. Let's, let's make it an Rose hashtag. is an angel. Rose is so sarcastic and snappy and wonderful and such a nice person and so observant and she's got a shitty husband who is cheating on her and she is a freaking saint who forgives him for cheating on her and basically says i don't want you to do that anymore and just takes his word at it oh i I love that performance a lot yeah yeah fantastic performance she deserved the oscar and it's like an interesting like People don't give Oscars for performances like that anymore. It's usually a very showy, like, I did not yeah. murder my wife. You know, just like, it's like, which that's... is what Nick Cage was doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But, but like, it's a very, like, the big scene she has is the scene with the professor. And that scene, mm-hmm. she's mostly listening to the professor and like smiling or like, you know, kind of making a dry comment every, every so often. But, it's mostly her listening and it's just a real feat of acting that I don't really see like commended anymore, which is, I think that's no. very cool for the Academy to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I it's kind of funny because Olympia Dukakis, I she died on May 1st of this year. Mm-hmm. Did she? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. hang on. Moment of silence. For Olympia Dukakis. Okay. King go. <laughs> All right. Um yeah, so I mean, and she was working. She was working until basically like months oh, before she passed. Good for her. Good yeah. for her. Um yeah, 89 and she was just still kicking. Yeah. Uh so so yeah, no. I mean, uh Olympia Dukakis. Yeah, she is she is the real one in this cast, you know. Yeah, I Much only respect. liked her. I hated everyone else in this cast except for her. Even the grandpa was annoying me at some bits because he was just like, <laughs> at first, I'm not going to lie to you guys, it took me many scenes to understand that he was the grandpa. <laughs> like, I didn't know who he was. I just thought he was a yeah. man who lived in their house and hoped they would eventually explain why. <laughs> I, I did like the line at the end where just like they had like their confrontation, like with like all the pieces coming together and like all the people, like the families at the breakfast table. And then at the end of the scene, he's like, I'm confused. <laughs> I think that's really funny. <laughs> that is the, I will say, that is the one line in this entire movie that I laughed at. <laughs> With him saying, uh, like, I'm confused because I'm just like, you and me both, man. I don't know what the fuck is happening what, right is this now. Is some kind of rom-com where everything <laughs> wraps up so easily? Uh, I think I wrote down at the very end, what a fucking weird movie. <laughs> it's weird. It's very strange. Like It's a I, very weird movie. It is. But I do have to give credit to the music. The music in this film when is When the moon amazing. hits your eye, it's a big pizza pie, it's Look. amore. Aren't there, like, royalties things? You can do see we have to it. Pay royalties <laughs> okay, we don't make money from this podcast, so we are good. Yeah. When We're the fine. moon hits us. <laughs> On some yeah, more. Let's just sing the entire album and just release that. Yeah. Like... Even the ones that are not in this movie. Do you believe in love after love? What? Cher's in it. Close enough. (laughs) You know what else was super misleading? I was hearing that song in the opening, and I was looking at all of these uh, shots of, like, La Boheme, the opera, and I was seeing Cher's character walk by all of these opera set pieces, and I was like, oh, is Cher going to be, like, an inspiring opera singer or something like that? Um... No, 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 nothing, nothing even close to that. Cher does not sing once. <laughs> I, it was very misleading. I was kind of like this. I feel like you just hinted that this was supposed to be Cher like in an opera or singing opera, which would have been interesting. But no, we're not going to we're not going to do that. We're just going to have her be, I believe, an accountant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, that is a choice. Damn. Um, But yeah, I I love the music a lot. Like, I just like even from like the opening. Like, I feel it really gave you a sense for like the family and like the family dynamic. It just like it just really brought you in in, into it. So I like, yeah, really, really big fan of of the music and even just like there's like the little like um what's the word like 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 little melodies from like the transitional pieces when we're going like a new set piece and like people's like walking into a house or something like it just really helps keep the like i don't know the 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 feeling alive throughout the film so i was i was a big fan of that well well done dick hyman sorry what's his name h-y-m-a-n dick hyman is that is that that pronounced correctly i I hope i hope i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly uh 
His name is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I pronounce that. I feel like you need to hear what you're saying right now, though. I don't see anything funny about this. Hyman. It's not fun. There's nothing funny about that. You're not. Are you not? You you are like your eyes are darting at other places, and you look very confused. Andrew, have you honestly not understood what you just said like three times? His name's Dick Hyman. It's not a big deal. Like not. Like, <laughs> oh, there it goes. Now yeah. it hit him. There it is. He's turtling into his shirt right now for our audience who cannot see him. Yeah, I love the the the, the music montage. Yeah. I really liked was the 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 Cosmos Moon montage where like the moon the the full moon mm-hmm. the full moon was out and everyone was like kind of walking out to like look at the moon and stuff like that and the the scene that was really sweet was like the shopkeeper family the the husband going out and saying like look it's beautiful Cosmos Moon and then like the wife is like you know the way you talk and the way you're you look in the light you look twenty five and just like that really sweet moment it's i i feel like like this won the writing award for um best one of them yeah i think that's the strength it's not like a movie with super super memorable lines or like anything like that oftentimes cringy if we're talking about (laughs) the lines leading up to the first sex scene which are something along the lines of break me until there's nothing left for your brother or that's like, hot. That's hot. I don't no, know what you're talking it's about. It's really not. It's awkward and cringy. And I was listening to those lines and I'm like, I, what? This is not, I don't like this. The, the fact that she's committing infidelity a mere, like what, day or so yeah. after, after agreeing to marry this guy is like, Wow. Wow. After bullying him into proposing to her the way she wanted to be proposed to. In all fairness, he should have had a fucking ring. Yeah. Like, that's not good. who doesn't have a fucking ring? Uh, that one's kind of on him. The, yeah. That one was on him. <laughs> that scene was the, the fu- funny part of that proposal scene was like he got on both knees like a little like a little baby toddler. <laughs> Walking on both knees. I'm like, what? How, do you? <laughs> Have you never seen this happen before <laughs> in any context? Look, what my ankles. <laughs> like, uh, but like my point I was trying to make though um, was that like the the there are not a lot of memorable lines and stuff like that. But the thing that's really good about the writing is the world building. The families, like the two families, and like the shop. Like, there's a scene where like. You know, she walks into a shop and like they're argue the the shopkeepers are arguing in between like processing a transaction and stuff like that. It feel it feels like a very lived in New York street, and it's like a like a very I like the specificity with the Italian culture and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. think that's really um, it felt very lived in. It felt like they were doing this before we started watching the movie. Then we have the saddest makeover scene ever. <laughs> so good (laughs) she looks great don't get me wrong she looks great it's just the entire vibe of it it's like she's going to her doom and i'm like this is legit so depressing yeah i yeah that was that was that was pretty it's like she's just sitting by a fire surrounded by bags of clothes looking really sad i'm like oh are you perhaps feeling guilty that you're going on a date with the guy that you slept with who happens to be your fiance's estranged brother. Uh, 
Now what is it going to do with I, it? Am I supposed to feel bad for you at this moment? <laughs> well, it's okay. So from my understanding, you know, obviously I'm anti-cheating, but cheating is often a symptom of something deeper that's wrong basically that's why people cheat and like that like there's also that scene in the movie where like the professor is explaining why he has these weird affairs with like college with his students yeah yeah that's disgusting but like he explains like i didn't like his explanation it's not good it's not like obviously it's not good it's not good it's not good but it's like i think it's beneficial to like know why someone would do something like that but anyways like for the affair, she is trying to do everything right because she feels guilt over her husband dying before they had kids and stuff like that. She feels like she's bad luck. She feels like they got married at a courthouse instead of like, you know, a traditional wedding. And then like she's Catholic. So she be- believes in like retribution for her sins and stuff like that. You know, so she got his her husband got hit by a bus and now she kind of thinks it's her fault and stuff like that. And that she's miserable and sad. The reason she said yes to this person she doesn't love is because it's not about love. It's about doing everything right. The Nicolas Cage aspect is her her getting like kicked out of that. Again, I don't agree that they should have gotten married. But the idea of just like, no, the reason they like consummated their like you know their attraction was because they both saw each other for who they were and that angered them but also like it was also like a moment of real intimacy that she has not felt in many many years it's not going to inspire sympathy in me that's fine i I think it can inspire empathy though like no it mm -hmm. really doesn't i don't really feel empathetic for i feel empathetic for rose because rose is amazing (laughs) and she deserves better Hashtag um, justice for Rose. Yeah, hashtag yeah. justice for Get Rose. Trending. Thank you. Get a trending. Uh, a- Academies. <laughs> yeah. That should be our fan names. Academy oh Arguees. Academies. Oh, my God. Do we have yeah. You do now. No. <laughs> now we do. Yeah, okay. now. Hey, hey, Academies. How you doing? Oh, my God. That's so cute. I like that. Oh, okay. That's good. that's good shit. Okay. Andrew, you seem really into this, so I'll yeah. go along with it. Sure. Cool. If that's what you want, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I thank you for being willing you, to go you with that. You sound like a mom at Toys R Us. Like, I don't get it. If you want I don't the get toy, these hot wheels. Can, only one, okay? Only, only one. one. Well, oh. if you get two, you'll be spoiled. So. Limits. <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of ironic. For this being a, a, a love story, quote oh, unquote, there is a lot of infidelity There's going so on. so much infidelity. Everyone is cheating on everyone. The grandpa thinks that Rose is cheating, but she's not because Rose is amazing. Um, Rose is just literally having a pleasant conversation with a guy as she walks down the street. Uh, There is literally nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Justice for Rose, man. Everyone's (laughs) like, no one, no one's nice to her in this movie, really. Everyone's kind of like dismissing her quite a lot. And I'm like, this woman is a force. Why are you all like this? That's but that's like that's also like I think that's the cool part of this movie. It's like shining a light on like women and like because like all these characters are most of these characters are above like 35 basically. And so it's like kind of like really shining like because we got we have a lot of rom-coms about young people and stuff like that. Like kind of like navigating the city and stuff like that. But this is just about about a bunch of like resigned older people 
like kind of just like resigned to being a little bit sad and a little bit miserable. <laughs> like it's like it's really but it's like that's true to life that a lot of people are like that. Mm-hmm. I just oh Rose deserved so much better. Yeah, she really did. Justice for Rose. I would like to go back to like the scene where we we meet Nicholas's Cage. Okay. Nicholas Cage's character. Nicholas's Cage? Yeah, Nicholas's Cage. Ronnie Camarero. Um, <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> because that's the point where I'm where I notice the most that John Patrick's Shanley is a playwright. Because <laughs> yeah. it was like we had been in this snappy comedy where everyone's being like super witty and throwing things back and forth between each other, and I love it. And then we get to Nicolas Cage, who goes off like he is in an entirely different movie. It's almost like That's he has a... transported into a Tennessee Williams monologue. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's so overdramatic and jarring. And anytime he delivered a monologue, it was like... It was very much like we were in a Tennessee Williams. It was like he was screaming Stella up to the rafters. What is the tone here? He got different directions than everybody else and was just like, okay, here we go. It's proto Adam Driver. It's proto Robert Pattinson, basically. Just weird Mm -hmm. character actors in the middle of this rom-com. But like, I think I, first of all, it's entertaining. It's entertaining to watch. It's strange and weird and wild. But then also it feels like, like I said, the, the kickstart to like, this is, this is my boring, sad life where I don't see any hope or I don't see any like, you know, excitement or stuff like that. And then just like Nicolas Cage being this chaotic force ripping apart this movie and going, (laughs) love is messy. Love is weird. You know, all that stuff. (laughs) I cut off my own hand (laughs) as an overreaction. (laughs) Share girl. Let me just talk to you here. This is not a person to end up with. You need to run. (laughs) Don't marry this man. Oh yeah. Don't marry this. Like, but like there's the cage monologue towards the end where he's like, you know, newsflash, love isn't, love is messy. Love isn't, doesn't like make everything perfect. It's messy and it like, it's disruptive. And, you know, it's not like the stars or snowflakes or whatever like that. It's what I'm offering is something a little more real than like storybook romances or like a rom-com even, you know? Right. He was, mm-hmm. which I didn't understand why he was explaining to her because she's been in love before. Yeah. 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 That's true. Like, the- like she she has actually admitted to him already that she married for love and she had two blissful years with where she was very happy with her husband, where I am assuming they also got into arguments and she understood that love is very messy and hard and heartbreaking because oftentimes, you know, sometimes your significant other gets hit by a bus. Yeah. It's very it was very interesting to me as I was watching that and I was watching Nicolas Cage act and I was like, wow, this is like some some really early mansplaining we're seeing right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's more so, though, that he was trying to convince her to go to bed with her. Like, that's not even about, it's not like it no, was. he was trying to get in her pants. Yes, yes. He's trying to convince her, like, say la vie. Like, throw caution to the wind. Do not, like, worry about the implications of everything. And just, like, let's, ha- let's have this moment together. And, like, that's something that, like, she would not have if she married 
Johnny and stuck with it, basically. Let me make something clear, because I feel like you're thinking I'm on Team Johnny right now. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not on Team Ronnie, and I'm not on Team Johnny. I am on Team Rose, (laughs) Justice for Rose. Rose is amazing, the best character in this film. Everyone treated her like shit, and she deserved better. But no, I don't think she should have married Johnny either. Like, I mean, her settling for him is kind of mean on her part, because it's like you're depriving him from the chance of finding happiness as well. Yeah, I do not. Like I said, I don't see Nicolas Cage and Cher being star-crossed lovers that are destined for each other. It feels like pretty, it it seems like it's going to lead to disaster. Yeah, what do you think of like Cher's performance in this movie, though? Like, I personally, I liked liked her performance a lot. It It felt weird, really, really weird, to see her not sing at all and just (laughs) give an acting performance but i'll admit i mean like 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 her character is awful but she gives a good performance as said character so i i I liked her performance a lot it just it just it was an adjustment Mm -hmm. getting used to not hearing her belt anything out i have only ever seen Cher act in mama mia 2 so (laughs) that's your only share that you've ever seen yeah it's pretty fun oh my god fun movie yeah when she when her and Andy Garcia sing Fernando at, uh, with the fireworks in the background and everything. Yeah. She reminds me of like Lady Gaga in The New Star is Born, where it's like mm. this kind of a larger than life like, pop star, like kind of stripping it back and kind of being like more of a down to earth. That's a good way of putting it, actually. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Can I like, can I go through my like death, like why this movie is about death? <laughs> like basically like, uh, yeah, theory, basically J- John Patrick Shanley, like is like, very catholic you know it was very catholic and stuff like that because he also wrote doubts he wrote yeah. doubt and like yep. um that's so like this he's kind of like touching on the themes he'll later explore in doubts the 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 thing that keeps on coming up in this movie is you know why do men chase after women and she keeps on coming to the conclusion that they're afraid of death men are afraid of death and that's why they're doing it and then therefore it's like so like the idea of death like is a specter over this entire movie like um share is like the way the reason she's living the way she is is because her husband got hit by the bus and it's such a disorienting thing and uh there's a Mm -hmm. line in the movie where the dad's like i uh you know i don't like sleep because it reminds me of death and stuff like that and like the professor is like the reason I go out with these college girls is because it reminds me of being young again and like young and full of hope again, where my life is so boring and drab. Yeah, and stuff I could like have that. told you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, not that's not a big reveal there. Yeah. So it's like kind of that death is the biggest thing they're afraid of in this like it's the biggest motivator for why they're doing anything. And also like the the movie ends with like all the characters kind of like not there's no real consequence for any of their actions no none whatsoever (laughs) but it's like i think it's like kind of conveniently johnny does not want to marry Cher anymore right right uh oh yeah yeah that's right like uh johnny is like motivated by like um you know he does he wants to marry Cher in the first place is because he wants to make his mom happy because she's dying and stuff like that so like death Mm -hmm. is inspiring all their decisions and just like kind of more let's live in this moment let's let's not always try to make everything perfect and like kind of you know let death rule our lives and stuff like that 
No, I, I get what you're saying. I do think that's the theme. It's heavy. That's a heavy theme it's to put not, in a rom-com, no, though. It really doesn't feel that heavy for me because it feels like a very common theme in rom-coms is just live. Just live your life. Just be in the moment. Don't like plan for everything. Don't like react to things that are going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a really common trope in rom-coms to be like, oh, mm-hmm. be spont- spontaneous and live in the moment and all that bullshit that I never do. <laughs> so Brittany has a script. Me. She's like um, reading all of them. Yeah, I, I agree that that's the theme. I th- for me, I think the weird part is the dialogue and not so much the theme. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the theme, I've seen that theme in a lot of rom-coms. Maybe not that overt, though. Like, I don't think I've seen a rom-com with, like, the the vote, vote theme of, like, death, you know, being, and, like, grief. I, guess, I don't like, think sleepless the theme Seattle, is death. I think it's life. Hmm. Oh, differing sides here. Hmm. Because you're saying like everything is a reaction to death. It but was it seems at the like, very beginning. Yeah. And it seems like at the beginning, maybe some of the stuff that the dad is doing and Loretta is doing is a reaction to death. But I feel like the point or the moral of the story that you're supposed to get is it's supposed to be like, okay, you have to stop planning everything because you, we're all going to die someday. So you might as well live in the moment. That is so common sure, in rom Sure, sure, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, what is La Boheme about? Isn't it's like that a- kind of the same thing? Where someone's like saying, hey, live in the moment? Um, mm-hmm. Hold on, I'm going to look up the plot for La Boheme right now, and I'm going to silently read it while you two talk. <laughs> What the fuck? Oh, I'm sorry. I know I was going to silently read it, but <laughs> no. Um, I, I, I just read. I, it. I just read the most ridiculous sentence. I just scrolled down to the Wikipedia page in Act One, and I randomly read this sentence. He explains the source of his riches: a job with an eccentric English gentleman who ordered him to play his violin to a parrot until it died. That's fascinating. What? The what? <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. This is what Rent was adapted from. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like you know, yeah. the, the that's why I recognized it. I don't, I may not know anything about Labo Ed, but I know Rent is very much about hey, just live in the moment because we're all going to die someday. Yeah. Literally, a lot of them die of AIDS. Oh, <laughs> it's very sad. Yeah, huge spoiler by the way for Rent if you haven't seen it. I'm not. I'm not like crazy about this movie. By the way, I'm just like trying to understand it a little bit. Like, no, I I know it's just my job to tear all of your dreams down. Hmm. Such a monster! I really am the villain of this podcast. Now that I'm thinking about it, like I've really stepped into that role, and I feel like eventually I'm gonna have to start dressing like Maleficent and have crows around me and yeah. shit like that, and have an evil laugh, like. Sounds good. I've really become the villain. Final thoughts? All right. Uh, start off, let's, let's start off with Andrew and Bruce Lee. Final thoughts. Why do I have to go first? Because uh, you're the guest. Right, That's how right. this shit works. All right. Jesus, very aggressive <laughs> on your end, Andrew. <laughs> um, I'm passionate. Yeah, like, you know, th- this is, I like the specificity in the writing. Uh, there are some memorable, there are a few definitely like memorable lines. The characters are feel like very specific and very like, you know, the, the neighborhood feels very well populated. I, 
I wish like there was more time to build with like Cher and Nicolas Cage, like that, like that romance, because like me, yeah, like it felt like very, um, it didn't feel like developed. And I think, I think the movie's all right. Like I gave it like a seven out of 10, really. It was like fine. Like I didn't feel very passionate. I, there are movies I could, the, there are definitely better movies I could speak more passionately about. I was like trying, I was really trying hard to like find like, what my take was on this really i love i really appreciate how weird nicholas cage is um and i like a lot of the quieter more gentler scenes but it did feel a little pat it didn't feel like it resolved in a really it felt it was like too clean in how it resolved which maybe is the point but i don't know so uh yeah those are my final thoughts yeah would you recommend people watch this movie yeah i don't know like i think it's something to like it's something to have on in the background, but it also works as just like a nice warm blanket if you want it to be. So I, I'm like, and this might be for some, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, this movie's fucking weird. I was it's in a so state weird. of bafflement the entire time <laughs> watching it this morning. I, I I wrote down so many times in my notes, what the fuck just happened? Um, I am so confused. What is going on? Um. But honestly, this is the first time I've ever been that baffled in a positive sense because I think this movie is really weird. And I actually kind of enjoyed how fucking weird it was because it was kind of like, hey, we're going to be confusing and weird and we don't fucking care what you think. And you know yeah. what? <laughs> I was into it. I liked it. Ah, I'd say watch it. Morally ambiguous too. Like, that's cool. Like, you know. No, yeah, no. I, yeah. Everyone sucks. Justice for Rose. But I still like the movie. <laughs> Yeah, I you know, and that kind of like leads nice and neatly into to my final thoughts. This is probably the weirdest romantic comedy I've yeah. ever so seen in my whole life. This is not at all the film that I thought it was going to be when I read the words romantic comedy. This is not not what mm. I thought it was going to be at all. But like Brittany said, that was kind of a good thing. Like this was really out there, very quirky, very odd, but it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed myself watching this. It's just a clusterfuck of all these really morally ambiguous individuals, but God damn it. It was a good time. So I, I God damn it. it. If that dialogue wasn't snappy. Yeah. It's like, God damn it. John Patrick Shanley. What are you doing? Uh, but you know, I'd recommend watching it. Uh, yeah. Good, good shit. Good shit. Let's get into plugs. Uh, Andrew, other Andrew, not Andrew, who's normally here. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> Anything you want to plug, your lovely podcast or any other projects you might be working on, and then something from pop culture that you're into right now that you'd like people who are listening to check out. Yeah, I have a podcast called I've Been Meaning to Listen to That. It's a, you know, we already talked about it a little bit, but I'm really proud of it. Um, it's really, it's something I put a lot of like heart into, and like it's very personal. It's like very, and it's like, you kind of get a different show depending on the episode. It's like there's some episodes that are like really like we have comedians on and we, they kind of go off and be silly, but it's also like an opportunity to be for them to be critical and like really show that side of themselves, like people who love arts, people who love music to really like comedians, like an opportunity to really share that side or like critics to really share their silly side and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, just like a really fun show. And then, Piece of pop culture that I like. Yeah, like a sh- an album we're probably not going to cover on the actual show yet is uh, 
Uh, sometimes I might be introvert by little Sims, uh, really incredible, like rap record. Uh, she's kind of like, reminds me a lot of like Lauren Hill, like kind of starting out. And then also like, it's like very, I haven't, I haven't like truly dissected all the words and stuff like that, but it's like really introspective, like interesting lyrics about like, kind of like, uh, you know, cycle of violence and like all that stuff. It's like, and just like trying to overcome barriers and stuff like that. I think that's really cool. So yeah, that's my pick. Cool. Good stuff. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Brittany blue eyed on also on TikTok at Brittany blue eyed. I post videos of my plant there now. Mm. Um, I am also doing guest spots on tabletop Vanguard, which is the new name of previously known as corn quest podcast. It's the same podcast, same, still a D and D podcast. I'm still doing guest spots on there yeah. and it's still a super fun time. So highly recommend checking that out. Uh, something I would like to recommend from pop culture if you guys want to see something that is messed up weird, not quirky weird, but like psychologically screws with you weird, I highly recommend checking out Squid Game on Netflix. Uh, that'll mess you up. That'll mess you up real hard. Damn, so, I was, was going to plug that. <laughs> oh, too late. Ha, beat you to you it. You have to do something else, you <sighs> idiot. Now you have to pick something else. Brittany wins. Brittany did Squid, Squid Game first. And I win the episode. <sighs> yes. Okay. But yeah, highly recommend checking it out. It's a good show. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, for me, you can find me on Instagram at Andrew the Nuno Twin. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew Nuno. Um, and then as far as something to plug, because I was going to plug Squid Games, but... One of my friends, uh, Kendra Swope, recently launched a podcast called Scattered Pieces. I would also like to plug Scattered really? Pieces, so you can't do that one either. <laughs> Back off! <laughs> uh, he's actually taken over your entire life, Andrew. Not just your name, your entire life. Yeah, I'm your tether. <laughs> it's like Invasion of the Andrew Snatchers. <laughs> um no, but in all seriousness, I know that this this recommendation kind of comes a, a little bit late, and it's going to come later because this is not this is not going to air for a, a hot sec. But this this podcast deals a lot with uh, mental health and and um, just being raw about mental health issues. And in the first episode, uh, my friend Kendra launched this podcast, uh, I believe, last week. Uh, she's very very open about her struggles with uh depression and uh you know being bipolar and all that it's very very raw uh totally recommend listening to it it's it's phenomenal um i don't recommend watching it if you're not in a good place because it gets deep it gets very very deep very very quickly quickly but if you know you find yourself you know needing someone who can relate to where you're at with your journey and and all of that uh wherever you may be uh definitely recommend giving this a listen uh it's very very well needed to have a perspective like this especially as you know all of us just continue trying our best in this in regards to our mental health so uh definitely recommend giving this a listen if you believe you can relate to the material yeah cool andrew andrew who's not on the podcast normally thank you so much <laughs> 
for coming on this episode, your second episode of the Academy Arguments. Third, I was on about... the anniversary, I think. Uh, I did oh, a yes, yes, you're third. You're third yeah. because you also did a voice on the anniversary episode. Yeah. Thank you for that, by yes. the way. Take that, Pete um, Charney or whoever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he also did a voice on the anniversary episode. I think he did, actually, yeah. <laughs> so you guys are actually tied right now. Yeah, are you, yeah y'all, I didn't y'all know are tied. You... I didn't know you had like some beef with him. Yeah, I'm sorry now. I'm sorry now. Eat Charty. More like eat shit, Charty. Oh Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna eat your lunch, bro. (laughs) Now we have almost like a double like guest co-host just so we can see the results of this battle. We have have to see it now. Poor unsuspecting Peter just doesn't even know that he has immediately entered into like a Twitter war or He's something. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know why I exist. Like, probably. <laughs> He's gonna. <laughs> He's gonna. You have now declared war on him. Yeah. If you're if you're aiming for the throne, you better not miss. So as uh... he's gonna hear this because he listens to this podcast regularly, he's be like, "Oh my god, I have beef with this Andrew Ambrose <laughs> dude. What the hell?" <laughs> Okay, great. Well, I'm very happy that started. Uh, <laughs> it's our first real beef between our that guests on the that podcast. That is between just Brittany and yeah, I. Yeah, so this is this is great. Uh, this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing on this podcast. So thank you again for coming on and starting that yeah. um, mm-hmm. and uh, picking this lovely, weird movie. Um, Andrew? Other Andrew? Uh. No, wait. Which uh host Andrew oh. shoot <laughs> host, host Andrew, please take us out. Yes, of course. Thanks again, all y'all for for listening. If you want to hear us argue about a variety of other films, range from sci-fi to animation, feel free to give any of our other episodes a listen. We appreciate the support. Take care, guys, and until next time. If you're looking for a film with a protagonist with bad luck, turn on your TV and watch the film moonstruck also uh Take broadcast news should have won uh best best picture but it's fine anyways <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all take care bye guys thanks for listening bye. the academy arguments was created and produced by Brittany McHugh and andrew nino it is edited by Brittany McHugh, and the artwork is by olivia jensen If you like what you heard here today, then tell a friend, tell a couple of friends, tell your grandmother if you think that's something she'd be into. Or you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it really helps the show get noticed when you do. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or suggestions for a movie we should do for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Academy Arguments, on Twitter at ACAD Arguments, or at our email, academyarguments at gmail.com. Yeah, uh, hashtag justice for Rose. Hashtag that is, justice that is, for Rose. That is the main takeaway, the key takeaway from this episode is hashtag justice, justice for, Rose. for Rose. As a matter of fact, Brittany, you should just title this episode hashtag justice for Rose. It will. It will. I will title it Moonstruck, parentheses, justice for Rose. <laughs>